And uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 8. We're going to look briefly at the last part of chapter 8. Today, in leading up to it, it picks up at the flood. This is right after the flood. Noah went into the ark, and the Lord shut the door on Noah. And there's one interesting thing I like to see about the ark. Uh, There was a window in the ark. I worked at a window factory when I was a young kid in high school yet. And uh, that's when they didn't have all those labor laws. All you had to do was chase the dinosaurs off from the hitching rail, and you could go to work. And uh, took and uh, I always liked the fact that they had windows back there in the ark. I really did. Uh, didn't know if they were Pencraft or uh, or uh, the other couple of famous names in windows, but at least they had windows. And I wondered if they had glass, but do you know the word glass is in your Bible too? See? Okay, we're going to pick it up where Noah's. And this morning I was looking out over the horizon here, and I seen three or four ravens, four ravens to be exact, and one eagle. I was watching the eagles because the eagles are pairing up in Mayton, and then the ravens were over here, and they were doing somersaults in the air, acrobatics, and I realized that they were pairing up too. One of the reasons those animals, those birds, those raptors and scavengers pair up this time of year is so they're ahead of the uh, normal hatch of birds and such so they can they can feed their babies what they capture from the other animals' babies. Okay, that's just a little science class. But it was neat seeing the ravens meet. And uh, I read in Scripture just the other day about the ravens. It doesn't say where, where how they survived. Uh, let's go to verse 7. And you got Noah sitting there in the ark and uh, he's getting ready to they're, they're, uh, they quit rocking and rolling and they're landing and they want to see what, what the world looks like outside of the ark. And he sent forth a raven which went forth, which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. That's it. Where'd the raven go? He never came back. Verse 8. And then he sent forth a dove from him to see the waters were to see if the waters were abated from the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him unto the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then she put forth her his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. Picture of salvation there, if you want to see that. As someone submits themselves to God's will in their lives and to uh, uh, the circumstances around them and puts their trust in God, he will sustain you. And then in verse 12, and he stayed yet another, and he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth uh, not again unto him anymore. The, he lets the dove loose in verse 11, and the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, Unto her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off, so Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth his dove, which returned not again unto him any more. I always wonder, what's the seven days about? Well, if you don't hear from God in seven days, you're going to get weak. You're going to get weak. That's why we have church every sixth seventh day 
every six days you go. And the old saying is, seven days without uh, church will make one week. That's an old saying. All right, that's, that's just something I thought of this morning, looking out over the ranch and watching the Ravens. But this is where we're going to start the message. And the family leaves the ark. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Talking about the first family. And what does God command the first family? Verse 15 starts with God spake. When God spake, he does that 43 times in Scripture. And the majority of those times in any one a book of the Bible take place in Genesis. Because all God has to do is speak and things happen. He spoke and the waters were parted. He spoke and there was light. He spoke and he created the animals. He created the earth and you can read the first 10 times you read of Jesus speaking, something dramatically happened. And uh, this is one of the other times he spoke. Go forth from the ark, thou and thy wife. Bring forth with thee, and I skipped the last part of 16. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creepy thing, creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the face, upon the earth. Now, for repeating something in Scripture, why did the word breed show up there? That's where mankind has dominion given to him back in Genesis, and he has the ability to uh, regulate and breed animals. And that is, gives him a superiority, and he is commanded to do such and given the ability to do such. That's not where we're at with this, but you see in verse 18, And Noah went forth, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. He was told to go in verse 16, and in verse 18 he became obedient to God's word. God spoke, spoke it, and he was obedient to it. Every beast, every creepy thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kind went forth out of the ark. I'm going to put the word also in there. When God speaks, things happen. And if you're obedient to God's word, you'll be blessed. In fact, the theme is, as one submits to God's authority and word, true worship results. And that's what happens here. Where are you getting worship out of this? Okay, look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. He, you got this man that loaded up his family into a boxcar with a bunch of stinky cows and horses and pigs and chickens. And, and I, I tend to think they went to sleep. I tend to think they went into a lethargic state. You can take most of those dogs out for a drive and you'll find about 20 miles down the road, they all relax. Talk to an airplane pilot that hauls them around the country. You get to moving with them, and it's naturally that they go to rest. I kid, you know, they were in the ark for quite a while. I'm not going to say. I wasn't there, and I really didn't read anything. I really didn't read anything in it anymore about it. It's just sheer, sheer conjecture. But he's in there with all these animals and all these birds and all these creepy things. Did you catch that? There were, there were creepy things. In, there were spiders in the corner. I'll guarantee you that. And there was 
There's a story I like, uh, Noah being so wonderful and wise. Why didn't he just swat one of those two flies? You know, it just, but here he had all that around him all the time in the ark. And they finally get out of there. You know, the, the Lord says, okay, you can get out. And what's he going to do? The place is devastated. All his relatives, and he had relatives, and so did his children, and so did his family. They all had relatives, and he gets out, and the place is just about washed up in a big old swamp, maybe. Well, he was on Mount Ararat, so he was up high in elevation. He looked out over everything, and he could see green because God spared him because he stayed there over 300 days. And he looks out over the horizon, and it's not like it was before. Everything's changed. And all the loved ones, all the people, I'm sure he called out. Fred, are you there? Joe, are you there? Jenny, are you there? They're not there. They're not going to answer. And he realized that as he's obedient to God, God will bless. He went in there not knowing how long he was going to be in there. He went in there not knowing what it was going to look like when he came out. And it did not look the same. Last I checked, he probably built that ark down on the plain, close to the water, probably close to water. And it was a big old beautiful sunny day. In fact, it had never rained until he finished building the ark. And as it rained, he's looking up and everybody else is wondering what's going on. And then they start beating on the wall of the ark as the water comes up and his boat takes up out of the water. And that's the last he knew of mankind. That's the last he's seen of people scratching on the side of that ark. That's the last he's seen of birds in the air. Now the whole thing's emptying out and the whole world's taking a new shape and a new form. And what does he do? He wasn't commanded to do this. Verse 20, he wasn't commanded to build an altar. He wasn't told to build an altar. God didn't say, when you get out, I want you to sacrifice an animal for me. Maybe one that reproduced in there, but he took seven different types of cattle. He probably slowed the Herefords down quite a bit, if you know what a Hereford is. <laughs> and uh, he butchered that probably, or a Charlet. I'd like to think he did an Angus. That's why they're so short and runty. But... That's an inside joke if you raise livestock. But, and Noah built in an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. He was obedient to God and God blessed him. And then you'll find out next time we meet, I'll cover uh, another portion of chapter 9. You'll find out that Noah was blessed in the fact that he trusted God's word and he was able to reason and make decisions upon God's word and God could trust him with even more. And in chapter 9, he institutes government to mankind. So, here in chapter 8, Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast. And the Lord smelt the sweet savor Boy, there's nothing like walking into the kitchen and smelling something good. My mom used to make spaghetti. It'd take her two days to make the right kind of spaghetti. Take two days of boiling 
tomato paste and stuff down and thymes. And you could tell when she put the thymes in, it was about eight hours from when she, when she was done with the sauce. She put the meat in last, but when that thyme hit there, boy, the whole place smelled like Sunday because that's when we had spaghetti. But you knew it was great. And it was a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil. If you don't believe that part of Scripture, <laughs> that's to your detriment. But man is evil. What have they done with the, the emblem we're talking about here? We're going to talk about the rainbow and the covenant. Where has man's imagination and wickedness gone to? Now you show somebody a rainbow and you, you, don't think of, you don't think of God's covenant with mankind. You don't think of his promise, which we'll see here, that there's no such thing as global warming. You, don't, you won't see that. You won't see the proof of that. You just think of homosexuality and perversion and a promiscuous lifestyle because they want to be as gods, making their own decisions and not believing or trusting in God's word. I'm not anybody who is promiscuous in those regards. I'm not picking out any certain sin. I'm taking and telling you that all sin is putting yourself above God's word. And so, and the Lord smelt the sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. He killed everything that was alive on the earth. The only thing that was alive. And I don't even think protozoa and all those other molds and stuff, I think they were on the ark in various aspects and various. He gathered animals and bacteria was brought onto that ark by animals from all over the world. I think every living thing, that earth was sterile when they got off. While the earth remains, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, verse 22 is my promise, and I got no global warming, written in here probably in 1970. When did my wife give me this Bible? Oh, 2010, this one. It's about wore out now. But in 2010, I got this Bible, and this was written in there shortly after that because I started in Genesis, and it was probably about July when I got to verse 22 of Genesis chapter 8, and I put in no global warming. No global warming. Because God says there'll be harvest, there'll be cold, and heat, and summer, and winter, and day, and night shall not cease. When I was a young kid, they come out with that movie about the, uh, oh, I shouldn't date myself that much. I was very, very, very young when that came out. Uh, what they call it? Silent Spring. And we're headed that way. It's, it's a story about it never becomes spring. We go into winter and fall in our fall, then winter, and it just stays that way, winter and dreary and dark. They filmed the thing in the fall, and it was supposed to be spring, but it went stayed just dormant and quiet. And people ran around. There was a wedding being planned for the spring. It was a June wedding, and the people went in, and the food was so scarce, people were stealing their cattle and their chickens and everything else, this farm family. And uh, 
when they had the wedding, somebody broke into the the church the day before and took the all the food because that was the most valuable asset of its time. Have you seen the movie? It's a crazy old 70s movie. It was about overpopulation, which is nothing new either. But this global warming issue is nothing new either. And that, that leads you up. There's been, there's been these scares. You know who, who started these scares? Well, I could tell you the priest's name who started it. It was a Jesuit priest that started the first issue of overpopulation, wrote about it to the Vatican. But you know who really started it? The, the person's name was Chicken Little. And he looked up and he said, he said, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Didn't trust in God's word. Didn't trust in God's word. And you see what happens when you don't trust in God's word. Now, I'm a steward of, of taking care of things. There's no problem with that. I, I, I think we should be good stewards of what he gave us. But I'm not going to let it control my life. God gave us, he gave us dominion and things we could use. And he says to be, to use those things. All right. Here's what happened in verse, uh, after that, after the, the uh, promise of the world not ending again in a flood. And God blessed Noah. Did you catch that? And God blessed Noah. Okay, what did he do? Why did he bless Noah? Because Noah was obedient to him, trusted in his word, and was grateful. And verse 20, he wasn't commanded. The first commandment to build an altar doesn't hold, come on to Genesis chapter 35 is where you're going to have to go before you, first, you see the first command to build an altar. And on his own, out of gratefulness for his creator, out of trust in, man, uh, trust in God, he built an altar. And he went back to his ancestors, the ones that didn't survive the flood, but the ones he knew and read about and talked to in some instances, they, they were given sacrifices. And he says, God spared me. I did what he asked me to do. It didn't look like it. I never, it's a miracle. And he humbled himself and built an altar before God. You want to see the first guy that worshipped in the wilderness? Right there. First guy that worshipped in the wilderness. But notice he built an altar. He didn't just go out there and cast out his line and, or ready his spotting scope and says, boy, I'm in God's country. I'm in the woods with God. And No, he built an altar. He took his sweat in his hands and built some monument onto his God, onto our God, onto the God, and thanked him for the privilege of being spared. Thanked him for sparing him because he trusted in his word and acted upon it. And then what did God do? Chapter 9, verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them. He didn't just bless Noah. He blessed his sons. I go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to bless me, my sons, and my son's sons. I'm hoping that I'll see my son's son and my son's son's sons one day. I really do. Be faithful and multiply and replenish the earth. Rebuild it. Reestablish it. And the fear of you and the dread 
of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon, uh, moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea unto your hand are they delivered. We have dominion again established in Genesis chapter 3, I believe it is, where we're given dominion, or at least in Genesis 2. Every beast and every creepy thing. Let's see, all the flesh. Okay, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll touch on this just for a moment. All that moveth upon the earth and all, that, all the fishes in the sea, he'll deliver. Every moving thing, verse 3, that liveth shall be meat for you. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herbs have I given you all things. He gave them everything to eat. I get a kick out of some of these vegetarians, and it's real easy to spot them sometimes. They'll eat, they, I, I don't have nothing against them. It's a nice lifestyle. It's something great. Don't try to force me to do it. Now they're talking about us all eating bugs for protein. They're saying cattle, cattle, the gas that cattle leave off didn't kill Noah in the ark, but they're going to kill us, they say now, the environmentalists. I get a kick out of that. Uh, they have no problem eating fish. Why? Aren't fish meat? Well, they don't scream and holler when they get killed. They're pretty benign as far as that goes. And they think, well, so's a head of lettuce, but you're cutting its head off when you eat it. It's just crazy how we to take a good thing and twist it all around, and the devil is continually, just like the ark he puts in the sky, it's just like that, what he distorts, what God gives us, he tries to contaminate and make good, make bad. And surely your blood of your lives, okay, here's verse 4, he gives us everything to eat, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. It's interesting, uh, the Muslims and the Indi people in India like to boil animals in their mother's blood or in their mother's milk. They'll take a calf, not in India, of course, but they'll take a calf, in, in the Muslims will take a calf or a goat, and they'll cut the mother's neck, bleed her out, and boil the baby in the mother's neck blood. God commands us not to do that. Now, I don't understand it, but we do have a couple of diseases now that we found out are carried in the blood, don't we? What's one of them? What's one that's carried in the blood that you that every time you give blood down at the bank at the blood bank, they have to test to see if it's not been contaminated for. AIDS, right? AIDS, carried in the blood. Contaminated. Contaminated. In a process that is with the very movement that we're talking about here, how the devil imitates the halo movement with the new halo movement. It's There's nothing new under the sun. Every... It says, and surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of every man, at the hand of every man's brother, I will require it, the life of man. Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man 
This is verse 6. This is where we get instituted capital punishment. Verse 6. Now, I want you to look at this. 5 through 7. How many times do you see the word man mentioned in there? Five times, I think, right? Five times. And at the hand, that means man is required to judge mankind in the regards of serious death. The beast, I will require it at the hand of a, of a man. At the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of a man. Where does that go, go back to? Cain and Abel. Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man's shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. I'll tell you, I heard a secular man talk about he, he's against uh, the woman's live movement. And for all practical purposes, I'd have to side on the side of any woman who is oppressed has a right to rebel against that. I, uh, we're all created, and as I heard that man express, we're all created in God's image. Whether you're male or female, you're created in God's image. You have, every one of us have the same rights. Every one of us are looked upon by God the same way, male and female. We're all created in his image. Thus, we have the sanctity of being created in his image. We should be protected as we're made in God's image. Just as they get upset when you go and tear up a flag, when you go and destroy a person, you've committed a sin against God. So much so that he demands blood to be shed by man for the reckless abandonment of another man, destruction of another man. It's laid out there in Scripture. Capital punishment, not a big... But you see, to progress to the point where you think these things are all archaic and foolish, you have to start denying a whole lot of Scripture. You have to start building up. One of the first ways they do that in the Christian realm is they deny the Old Testament. I believe the Bible from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelations chapter 22. And I'm trying my best to try to live by all of it. And it's by God's very word that I cling to the fact that I won't be able to live by every rule and jot and tittle in it that I know I'm going to heaven anyway if I believe enough and trust enough in the fact that Jesus Christ's blood was shed according to the Old Testament for my sins in the New Testament and brings us together as a Christian. The word Christian means Christ-like. I want to be like Christ. I will try to be like Christ. And Jesus Christ preached out of the Old Testament. Good news for you. He didn't preach much out of the New Testament because there wasn't any of it written yet. <laughs> so, you know, it's a picture of what's coming. And I'm not trying to make us all Old Testament biblicists. I'm trying to help us to know what's coming from the past we can learn from. Otherwise, we're going to be like no one step off the ark and be just totally blank. No, he wasn't. He knew his Old Testament. He knew what was expected of him. And he voluntarily built that altar in verse 20. He hadn't to be told. He read God's word, and he tried to practice it. 
As you practice God's word, he will bless to the best of your ability. Just don't ignore all of it. Let's all stand.